your other like main filming location? This is this is the new house. Uh, okay, you just moved. Correct. Okay, guys, we're live. So I'm gonna start. If you can just maintain some silence, I'll introduce you guys, and then we'll take it a go. All right, let me just start. Hello, sellers. Welcome to the webinar where we are going to deep dive into the ever-evolving world of e-commerce. Our experts here with us, Chad, Blair, and Steven, will share the latest trends and insights that are reshaping the e-commerce landscape. So if you've got any questions, please leave them in the comment box. I will be taking questions at the end uh, of the webinar. Let me know where you're texting from and who you want the question directed to, and I will go ahead and ask them. So thank you again, all three of you, uh, you know, to our guests for being here for us, um, here with us for a discussion. All three of them are very renowned personalities that need no introduction. They are the gurus and the maestros of the big Amazon world. So I'm going to start with Blair. I think, you know, with a wealth of experience as a CMO at AMC Prep, Blair is a dynamic marketing expert who knows the ins and outs of e-commerce like no other. His firm helps brands launch in Canada and, of course, runs a big network of warehouses and fulfillment centers across the world, managing your entire Amazon order fulfillment, shipping and distribution online end to end. So get ready to tap into Blair's insights and gain a competitive edge in the digital marketplace. Chad, um, we would love to hear from you too. As the CEO and founder of Prophecy, Chad Rubin is the visionary in the e-commerce arena, exited Scubana, Prosper Show in the past, and has been a seller since 08. So the man himself, <laughs> we are you know, excited and thrilled to hear from you. He has a wealth of knowledge and will be sharing his vision and wisdom on how to navigate the ever-changing e-commerce landscape as well. Stephen Pope needs no introduction. I think he's all over the place, all over on LinkedIn every day. Founder of My Amazon Guy, full service marketing agency, your go-to guru for Amazon success. With his extensive experience, I think he'll provide you with valuable tips and tricks for mastering uh, the Amazon marketplace. So we're all set to hear from you guys. And to all the viewers, make the most of this webinar. I was I was calling um, us the three musketeers, Stephen and Chad. Yes, absolutely. So you your head first, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise it's not fair. <laughs> the three musketeers, that's rightfully said, Blair. Um, you know, there has been an increase in, in the number of online shoppers and sellers worldwide, and no doubt the pandemic has given this powerful boost to this increase in digital adoption. And the raging COVID-19 pandemic has really forced a lot of the traditional brick and mortar stores to move their operations online in order to sustain themselves. So now that we're in, you know, 2023, what are some of those e-commerce trends that sellers should look out for this year? UGC, user generated content. So we know that Amazon is making more money on PPC right now than they make on logistics, mm -hmm. which is okay. the first time that's ever happened. We saw that in the Q2 report that came out from Amazon's, um, you know, state of the art report, whatever you call it. Anyway, so what I think is going to have to happen is people are going to have to start finding ways to lower their A costs. And one of the best ways to do that is to invest in video content from users generating content. So I actually have been, I've started getting DMs on LinkedIn from people who are like, hey, you got, you got, a, you got a product on Amazon? I'll, I'll shoot a UGC video for you. I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. Here's $50 gift card. And then all of a sudden I got like two, three videos going up um, on Amazon and they're showing up on the top of the page, I'll actually pull one up here uh, and show you what I'm talking about. 
And I think this is like the, the biggest trend that we're going to start to see. So I just sh started sharing my screen. I don't know if you can pull that up. Um, are you, are you, and are you guys looking at Steven from like running these on ad placements or actually like on the product pages or is it a mix of both? Well, so uh, essentially we're doing both. Uh, I'm going to test it out. So this video right here, this was just loaded this week by a random dude who reached out to me on LinkedIn and I'll, I'll, I'll hit the mute. It's, it's not a very good video, uh, but it is just an example. He just opens up the box, does an unboxing like this. And so I'm starting to see a lot of this show up more and more. Uh, I think people are going to have to do that, right? So if you look at the Amazon search box right now, you just type in like artisan soap, for example, and you you count how many ads, like ad there, you know, here's two my ads, ad, 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 and then there's my first organic result, right? And if we go down this list and look at all of these products, there's my product again, but we're going to see 56% of all of the search results are PPC ads. Right. So they're out of space. So what we're going to see happen is videos um, coming in from outside sources and TikTok videos and stuff like that. We're going to start to see that. So here's a professionally done video. Here's a UGC video. Both of them can show up on the product detail page. And I didn't have to load this myself. He loaded it on his side. Uh, and if you look at uh, an analytics tool, you can you can look at Age of Sage as a brand term and see it spiking on the tool because we're using uh, branded search on on TikTok. We're not directly linking. We're not using attribution programs. We tried it; doesn't work. So we're 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 trying to push TikTok traffic into our Amazon brand. So that's the biggest trend I'm seeing. How about you, Chad? Blair? Yeah. So I look. I think UGC is awesome. It's not necessarily like new it's definitely get deeper and more leveraged in the amazon community and especially in the d2c communities out there i tend to think that there's a bifurcation happening on amazon right now similar to what's happening in the united states around wealth and, and the disparity of wealth so i think the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer and i think the same thing is happening on amazon is that the, those that are actually already at the top of search specifically and have large budgets to spend on amazon those, those brands are going to be sticking around, whereas the smaller ones are going to actually... So I think you're going to start to see actually the SKU catalog on Amazon start to actually invert or, or, or start to decrease uh, versus what you've seen in the past five years, especially with COVID, where everyone and their grandmother now makes a product. Um, specifically, I think how those brands at the top are going to actually maintain control at the top is leveraging AI. So yeah. my, my belief is that we're going to be moving into the age... Uh, the age of sage uh is that the name of your brand uh, <laughs> that was a little uh, pun that was a little pun i think we're gonna be moving to the, there's gonna be the rise of uh <laughs> rise of the algorithmic brand on amazon right and i think that we're still right now not even in the first inning of what we're gonna see and this is there's drawing a parallel to what happened on wall street in the early 2000s where roughly about 10 percent of wall street was driven by bots and now it's about 80% on, on Wall Street driven by, by bots, not by human decision. And the reason for that really is that AI can actually make far better decisions, make less mistakes and move far faster than what we could. And Amazon's a really fast moving marketplace. And so to me, the future on Amazon is really brands leveraging AI and those are going to be those that, are, that dominate. So the AI will be anticipating, suggesting, guiding, maximizing. And every single brand that's on top is going to be using them to, to keep pace. Chad, what would be like three areas that this AI you feel is going to be like a, a big yeah. leap for for sellers? I think it's, I mean, if you look at the Q2 results, like Steve shared, I think Amazon PPC drove 22%. It was a 22% increase or roughly 
above 20 percent increase, whereas actually organic product growth was flat. So I think it's PPC. I think it's price. I think it's inventory. And then mm. you'll you see with Amazon's recent launch, I mean, I think they're just now getting into creating listings and creating better listings and creating a better experience using AI. So those are the four areas I think that the focus will be in. Yeah, it's a good point. I agree with both of what you guys are saying. Honestly, I, ours is a little bit. So I, I see it on the Canadian side. So it's a, a little bit different of a, of a view because I'm I'm kind of like the uh, I'm the guy outside the party and I'm like looking through the window of how much fun you guys are having down there. And I'm like, bloody hell. But um, it from a lot of what we're seeing, it's more sellers are just trying to get more uh, juice for the squeeze. So I think, Stephen, that's why like what you're saying about content, like without spending more money through ads or new acquisition, they're trying to just use the money that they currently have or like real effective ways that are, are relatively cheap to try to generate new revenue. The thing that we're seeing, so that, that's why I think it's happening in content so much and it's a cheap way to drive new acquisition. I think that's why there's a lot of conversation about like TikTok and the whole conversation about driving it in, which is probably a whole other conversation we can dive into. Uh, the thing that we're seeing a ton of is obviously the expansions. It's probably biased because we're just, we're surrounded by it. So did any of you guys see Shopify and Amazon teaming up against TikTok? Cause I did not see that one coming. Crazy. That's crazy. Right. Like, like now there's a shop, there's an Amazon app in the Shopify store and they're like embracing buy with prime after they banned it like six months they, ago. They like, cut it off entirely before. Yeah. So, so TikTok's a real threat. They're taking it seriously. Um, yeah. And, and that's actually not a good thing in a way. Like the Chinese are going to be the ones that rescue us from our overlords, a la Amazon. I'm, I, you know, like I, I want Amazon to have some competition and not be a monopoly, but I don't want TikTok to be the one we're competing with. Yeah, yeah, that that's a tricky one. I, I, I don't, I don't know why we're seeing it so much. Like these, um, I, I think what we're seeing, like on .ca, there's a lot of deprioritization on like NARF which is that North American remote fulfillment. So it's like getting very deprioritized in Canada on like the algorithm, on the ad performance. So there's a big push both from the Amazon teams that we work with or just from sellers directly where they want to try to just get more net gain from revenue without spending more money. So they're trying to get their product placements into like a Canadian fulfillment hub. They're trying to do the same with Mexico. But some of these sellers, are, they're kind of jumping too far ahead. So they're trying to also touch Europe and then they're going to go to Australia and Japan and they might not even do, let's say, a million on .com. So uh, I, I think the approach is right. I, I think a lot of brands are doing a little bit too early, in my opinion. But uh, Stephen, Chad, are you guys seeing it too in terms of expansions? Well, I just want to speak on TikTok real quick. So TikTok just announced, I think yesterday, they part TikTok Fulfill just announced uh, they, they partnered with a fulfillment company here in the United States, uh, which is super interesting to me. I think that embracing TikTok right now is a great strategy, right, to essentially diversify off Amazon. I do think long-term though, this is just a personal opinion and perspective, is that if you look at TikTok and who owns it, which is ByteDance, I think that there's gonna be significant government pressures where in the next decade or so, you might see TikTok go away. Uh, you can't really talk about government and influence without talking about technology, especially when you look at what happened during COVID in 2020. And so I think there's some massive pressure and certainly Amazon has a fairly large lobby group infiltrated into the government. And so I can't, I, I don't, I just, I just can't imagine TikTok being around in 10 years or being around the way it is right now. But in the meantime, like you capitalize on it, right. And get first mover advantage and do things that people aren't, other people aren't doing. Mm. 
And and just to add, if I may, you know, I mean, I think features like you mentioned video, so features like, you know, product visualizers or product builders, 3D mapping, sort of these augmented reality, even make it more easier for customers to even like try on and visualize, explore, try out your products. I think that has been a plus. And I think uh, viewers, I mean, customers are really enjoying that piece. There was a survey where I think 60% of them prefer shopping and just, just, you know, expedites their whole shopping experience and customer journey, if you may. And I think, uh, you know, mobile commerce sales in US are expected to really double between now and 2025. So, you know, just to stay ahead of, you know, your business really needs to create that easy, uh, engaging experience for mobile shoppers as well. And I think a solid mobile experience will keep your customers coming back to your business to ensure, you know, sales continue to grow and, you know, boost your ROI for years to come, I would say. So, um, and I, you, you, all of you actually mentioned AL and, you know, that's been one of those popular buzzwords rather that have been floating around the e-commerce space, uh, you know, AL, uh, AI, ML. How are AI and machine learning really transforming different aspects of, you know, e-commerce operations? And particularly for you, Chad, I mean, you know, how is the AI model really revolutionizing pricing models such as yours, such as Prophecy? Uh, I mean, you've, you've been a seller since 2008. You've seen it all. You've seen all the changes and really the evolution that has happened. So, you know, tell us something that has been really game changing in that regard. Well, look, if you look at back when I started selling, I think I started selling before 08, but I'll just say 08, we were just sellers on Amazon with inspiration, with an idea, whether it's soap, whether it's vacuum filters, coffee filters. <laughs> and we've been forced to become sell uh, not only sellers, but advertisers, right? And so now you're adding competencies that maybe aren't your core competency to, and that's probably why you use an agency or why you use a pricing software, or why you use a fulfillment prep agency. So now we're moving towards leveraging AI, right? We have to essentially become better technologists and be able to use AI to essentially increase our efficiencies. And so why? Because they're capable of self-improvement and human beings were very inefficient at that. So in terms of pricing specifically, I mean, I can talk about price. I can talk about just using AI in general. I mean, AI, I'm infusing AI into everything that I'm doing. I'm, I asked actually a bunch of friends yesterday in a group, how often are you using ChatGPT? And you know, it was, it was like, someone was like, I use it once a week. And somebody was like, I use it once a day. And I'm like, I have a separate desktop monitor dedicated to using ChatGPT. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree with that, Steve? Or are you, are you not using ChatGPT that much? It's it's hit or miss. It depends, right? So I mean, like I I used I used ChatGPT to do an uh, a keyword analysis for me, um, and try and like tell me what keywords to focus on right now on my Age of Sage brand, and and I I put out a video and I demonstrate like how I did that and how it helped me figure out what the strike zone keywords between ranks twenty through fifty and why which ones would do better or whatnot. And so I would say like some of the analysis stuff is coming out is pretty cool. Uh, but in terms of like making LinkedIn posts and content, I've actually steered away from it, even though uh, you can set up custom instructions now. I think that it's so easy to tell what is written by a bot versus a human now that I've changed my entire content strategy. When it comes, when it, as it relates to Amazon, though, as an Amazon seller, all content should be written by AI and then edited by a human. And the reason for that is because it's easier for an AI bot to keyword stuff. And in my opinion, the content that is being written should be for the robots and the content that is visualized, the images should be for the person. 
I personally believe people spend 80, maybe even 90% of their visual time on the images and not reading the bullet points, not reading the description, which is why I put 500 words of copy in the A plus content, which is why I stuff keywords in the title and have longer titles. But I, I did make a LinkedIn post recently where we did an analysis on how people stroll in F, like they visualize things in F shapes. And I, I think there is something about images, but I also think there is maybe the first piece of the bullet points that stick out, right? The, the couple of words that are in your first five bullet points that actually stick out and actually influence a purchase and influence behavior and sort of like plant seeds, right? that you can eventually sow with converting those customers into purchasers. Speaking of the F shape, have you been able to program ChatGPT to make the F shape? Because I have not. And I'm surprised. I'm like, I keep trying to figure out how to program that one. Yeah, I, I, I actually haven't tried programming, but I can I can work on that offline for if sure. If you figure out the prompt, let me know. Because <laughs> I like, it does not know how. Like, it, it can do character count, but it can't do letter length. And, mm. and it's not quite there. Yeah. And anybody that doesn't have any idea what we're talking about with F-shaped content, maybe, Chad, you could screen share and demonstrate that. But essentially, longer length words and, and sentences at the top and get shorter and shorter as you go down. Yes. But in terms the of, span of, I, of I, I would say just like Priyanka, we're still in the first inning of AI specifically across the board. And by the way, I think not only it affects how brands, how brands are going to succeed in this era of AI, but also how Amazon search changes over time as well. And so all of these things, there's this one quote uh, by Jay-Z, which is real recognize real, right? Like essentially AI and AI can actually, like on opposing sides, can actually recognize each other and work together and actually benefit from working together because they're learning from patterns and signals from each other. So, but specifically right now for brands to leverage this, right? I think price is a huge, like most gurus and most people on Amazon are talking about PPC. Why? Well, it affects Amazon. Amazon makes more money when you spend on PPC. And then, of course, now they have a partner program for PPC agencies. And those partner programs are, are, are essentially incentivized to spend more money as well. And their commission structure is also incentivized to spend more money as well because they take a percentage of ad spend. So all of this becomes actually its own self-fulfilling cycle uh, of helping people spend more on God, Amazon. God bless when Amazon tells you to spend more money on PPC. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it becomes this uh, this flywheel, right? In a way, for Amazon, a new flywheel for PPC, where it doesn't actually benefit the seller, right? Because the sellers lose sight; they're they're looking at revenue embedded metrics, and they're actually losing sight of profitability, in spite of it. And so, I believe a future of, in my, my opinion, my thesis specifically is actually harmonizing and, and and in tandem changing price and ad spend together, while having a keen awareness of your bestseller rank on Amazon. Chad, uh, Stephen, is there anywhere yeah. you guys wouldn't utilize AI in your Amazon strategy? Is there anywhere like you guys have, kind of like Stephen, what you mentioned with your LinkedIn post, where you're like, that's a no-go. Is there anywhere inside the Amazon world where you're like, that's that's a no-fly zone for AI at the moment? I can't think of anything. Um, I, mean, I would just say that there's AI softwares out there on PPC that just programmatically change PPC spend without mm -hmm. actually taking a holistic look at your COGS or your price specifically. And just setting an ACOS target to me is not very interesting. So so to be clear, though, we don't run PPC through any sort of software at this time. We use macros. Uh, and I do think AI can help with the analysis of the data, but I wouldn't empower it with the decision of the data. 
Mm. Right. Like, tell me what this data says. Does great at that. Tell me what I should do with this data. It's it's got a very blinded, you know, blinded sight pattern, just like Chad is talking about. And I just I would probably take it one step further that I think a lot of the softwares out there, it's sort of like when you go to look at a supermarket and you see paleo or keto on the front of a cereal box, it actually doesn't mean it's nutritious for you or better for you. Right. And so it's become a marketing technique and most of the legacy softwares that are out what there are today saying? it's fat free chad eat my <laughs> sugar dunkin donuts drink that has over nine thousand calories yeah the Go. color's green it must be healthy right that, that's that's what that means it's got to be and so i think like that the, the nutritional content is important if you looked at just the back end of some of these legacy softwares it's just duct taped rules together that don't make a whole lot of sense and they're not really using ai so i think it's important to actually define what ai is and what AI isn't, and making sure that you're you get a peek behind the hood in terms of like, do they have machine learning engineers on staff? Are they supervising the AI when they let it run on autopilot? These things are super important to vet out of a company before you just sign up based on the H1 tag on their website. But are you sort of like incorporating some sort of dynamic pricing, like using these uh, ML algorithms and adjusting prices based on real time demand, competition, and and and, and even if you are, then what are you doing? All the categories on Amazon. Or are you doing yeah, so, so so just so everyone knows, like I, I started this pricing software after I sold my last company. My e-commerce business started tanking. I started doing everything that Amazon people would be telling me to do: listing refresh, uh, PPC refresh. Uh, then I stew rationalized, and I really just came across pricing as a lever to try to see if I can actually make a change. If the tr if if it was true that like pricing affects things on Amazon. And so I think there's conscious and smart pricing that you can leverage and you can do this with a spreadsheet. I just started building an AI tool around it to help me accelerate our progress and to make a whole lot more money. And so right now we dynamically change price of prophecy. We, we do it for the company. So the company comes in, they're like, hey, here's our min price, here's our match price, here's our lander cost, and then we do the rest. And so we have two machine learning models, one that predicts mm -hmm. demand, and that's really AI. AI is amazing at predicting predicting what can happen based on previous patterns and taking real-time signals and transforming those into truths. And so we essentially are pulling these signals in. We are predicting demand and then predict price at a specific demand. Uh, and we're doing that to maximize profit without sacrificing rank. And we're doing that only for private label brands on Amazon. For well, predictive analysis as well as dynamic pricing, both going Correct. and sort of. Correct. Yep. And the, 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 I think what makes it super interesting is that you know you have these old school repricers out there that are just trying to win the buy box right. for resellers. That's just not our focus. Yeah. Our focus is okay. straight up. We live and die by the search engine ranking page, page one on Amazon and working with brands that are doing typically over a quarter, quarter million dollars a year and up to change price, kind of like Uber. If you have Uber or Lyft or Cart, yeah. for example, uh, we change pricing to maximize profitability dynamically. Mm -hmm. Storage pricing. <laughs> exactly. It is. That's actually technically why that's sort of how I came up with this was looking at how Uber does their price changes. Right. What about Blair, like in your your scenario, like how can business really leverage automation to enhance their supply chain management from inventory forecasting to order fulfillment? What what are you know some of the models that you've been using? Yeah, there's there's two sides of it. So like on the uh, on the operational side, so we're we're now finally starting to adapt to try to utilize like warehouses in our own facilities uh that's like a that is a, a big monster that that i know the uh, the guys are trying to figure out so we're, we're trying to find effectiveness there where you're looking at like 
pick optimization or fulfillment optimization with less people walking around grabbing things to actually utilizing the technology that we're building. And with that <coughs> whole other level of like intelligence and understanding so that how do you grab the most amount of picks with the less amount of routing? So there's a whole thought process of how you like map out a facility so that they can effectively with AI understand where can you go to, to mean the uh, least amount of like foot movement. So on the operational side, there's a ton of fun things there, but on the seller side, like one is obviously in inventory forecasting where see a ton of where it's, how do you implement like how Steven's using macros or machine learning to really start to buff up your inventory forecasting. So how are you figuring out? Um, Never go out of stock. Cardinal rule number one. <laughs> on <laughs> rule two is kind of like rule number one. No, seriously, never go out of stock. It's a kiss of death. It's, it's I had, exactly I had right. a run on soaps uh, and I went out of stock with my top two sellers for 30 days and it's freaking brutal. Right in the middle of running my TikTok campaign as well. Uh, and, and it's because my supplier had a three month delay in manufacturing and, and my own warehouse where we like cut the soap and put it in the boxes, they were behind. Uh, and, and I told them like, why didn't you buy a year supply of inventory? You've heard, you hear me talk about this all the time, have a year supply of inventory on hand. And they, uh, they didn't do it. And, uh, that's what happens. You go out of stock in your best sellers for a month, $20,000 mistake. It's, it's over. And like a fulfillment center can drop the ball very easily. So you, you want to put yep. these things into your court as much as possible and control it. So yeah, like you can set up things like how do you create automatic reorderings or notifications and all these things that AIs can build. Um, the place that we're playing around with it now is just more like um, cost optimization. So can you utilize understanding like, and I'm just talking like, let's say FBA prep, sending it to Amazon's facilities. How can you optimize where the 3PL is so that you can get to the closest Amazon facility for the least amount of money? Or if you're actually ordering like customers, so our warehouses in Canada, we're now like intelligently trying to route different orders to different facilities so that your shipping cost is more effective. So it's more like transit and shipping optimization through this. Uh, but there's a ton like you can you can give AI data you got to program it accordingly, but understanding like your return costs and how to optimize this. And if you can feed it the right data, you can, like Steve said, you don't want it to make the final call, but you can start to guide it in this area of like, Hey, here's my last six months of inbound shipping data to Amazon, analyze it and see where we can save costs. And they'll start to program accordingly. So it, we're playing around with it, but like Chad said, you're talking to Steven and Chad, they're the, they're the AI wizards. Uh, we're, we're in the first inning of really trying to figure out how we can grasp it on the logistics side. Um, there's not too much happening there. I think we need a, a profasi for everything logistics wise, but uh, again, yeah, we're work in progress for sure. But do you have some sort of like softwares where also they help you with like route optimization and like literally last mile delivery solutions to enhance the delivery speed and of course reduce your costing and all that? Yeah, like a lot of our like bigger brands or aggregators are utilizing like Fleeber. Fleeber is a great tool. Um, it's it's you have to be doing some some decent revenue on Amazon, but um, they're like a programmatic intelligence for inventory forecasting. It's like the big leagues of forecasting on on Amazon and it's all consolidated in one place. It connects with our own like internal warehousing system. So I, I think Fleeber is leading that pack. Um, Stephen tried. You guys might know some other tools that are doing this, but I, I don't think um, a lot of them. I don't think there's an, enough investment happening on the logistics sides versus where like the pricing or advertising or optimization. I feel like that's where kind of the big bets are going at the moment. But they definitely improve demand forecasting accuracy, reducing like overstock and stock out issues. So do you see that improve? 
Yeah, yeah. It's just it's uh, the not so sexy side of the business, right? So I, I think that's why there's a there's less conversation about it for sure. And I think there should be, by the way. I think like the not so sexy side of the business is the sexy side. Like logistics <laughs> is course. only part of the conversation like 0.01 percent of the time and needs to be have a bigger seat at the table. The the more boring the business activity, the more likely you should be doing it. Amen. Like, Amen. Like it's, <laughs> and and sometimes the scary stuff, like making that cold call or spending the time to do that one thing or pulling the lever to place that order in China, whatever it might be. You know, we all need some of that motivation to get us over that hump. Like, hey, go do it. Like, just clear your schedule. Don't look at emails. That's reactive. Be offensive. Write down what is the number one thing that's going to pull a lever and, and go pull it. Uh, but oftentimes the boring activities, like, you know, you don't hear a lot of people on LinkedIn talking about how they bought a laundromat or a car wash and how they're getting, you know, riches and millionaires. But man, there's a lot of people that do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it sexy to sell on Amazon? Absolutely. Is there like a hundred different Amazon gurus that have Lambos in their videos on YouTube? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of fun to drive a Lambo, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but, but like it's, there, there is something to be said about focusing in on the core and sticking to it. So for example, on Amazon, if I had to boil it down to four sections, I would say SEO and PPC, that's what drives your traffic. Catalog and design, that's what drives your conversion. And, and price would be a subset inside of the catalog, just so I have Chad as an ally. <laughs> so talking of PPC advertising as a key driver of e-commerce business uh, sales, what are some of those advanced PPC strategies that you know you employ, um, Stephen, to maximize ROI? And really how automation tools really aid in this process? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to sidestep this question a tiny bit because I think people are doing too many advanced things with PPC and they're forgetting like some really core basics. Mm. And I think the number one basic that everybody messes up is they don't negate keywords on a weekly basis. And like on your broad match and your auto campaigns, which have been forgotten, like everybody's like exact match, exact match and phrase match and back to exact match and broad match modifier plus signs and all kinds of advanced things or uh, just an allocation of budgetary constraints, right? Broad match and auto campaigns can outperform exact match substantially, not only from an ACOS standpoint, but from a, from a standpoint of impressions, from a standpoint of, of actual sales. But the thing is, is the best way to manage those campaigns is through negations. So going in and negating once a week and, you know, deleting that one keyword that's got a 63% ACoS on the auto campaign shouldn't be on the auto campaign if your target's 40%, for example. Uh, what happens is you'll hear a lot of experts say, oh, you use auto campaigns to discover keywords and then you negate the good keywords off of them and then you make exact match campaigns. They're like, why would you do that? Why would you literally increase your ACoS 25%? Leave it in the auto campaign and let it keep producing. It will produce at a better ACoS in the auto and broad campaign because people are underbidding those. And, and when it gets into the exact match campaign, everybody is bidding those higher. And so you're actually losing money to, to, to use an auto campaign just as a discovery device. So like something like this, this core thing we just talked about could literally lower somebody's ACoS 3% with 30 minutes of effort today. 
and go in and go do that, right? And so could you use AI to, to figure out what keywords to negate? Absolutely. Could you download a bulk sheet and say, AI, tell me what keywords I should negate? Yes, and it would do it in like three minutes instead of 30. But just going in and looking at those search term reports and figuring out like, where should I be focused? I'll give one other small tip uh, that I think is another basic that is ignored. I think a lot of times people manage PPC down to the campaign level and budget based on campaign. And what they really should be doing is budgeting to the keyword and managing bids at the keyword level. You shouldn't let any campaign go out of budget unless it's a new campaign less than seven days old and you don't really know what's gonna happen. But after that, once it's been optimized, never tap out, excuse me, never tap out on the campaign budget. Let the bids go as far as they can for your dollar and, and manage down to the bid level on the keyword, not at the campaign budget level. Steven spin facts. Steven, you know, where you're really creating highly targeted ad groups for specific product categories, how would that pan out? Well, I mean, you're going to have as much segmentation as you can muster, right? Uh, with the use of tools, you might have a thousand campaigns. If you do it manually, you might only have five campaigns, right? Like there's a big difference between the execution of the segmentation possibilities. Um, the more segmented you get, the better off the results are going to be. If you start making campaigns with 100 keywords, in them, they're not going to perform as well if you had made 20 campaigns with five keywords in them. And the reason for that is cannibalization. Uh, and and the, the fact that the impressions are going to go to 20% of the keywords, and that's a challenge. And so by using tools, you can segment a lot better and be yeah. able to say like, hey, on this particular, uh, you know, pull up the soap again, this jasmine lime, I want it to hit specific jasmine or lime keywords in that specific ad group. But if I had put this soap in the same combination, my dog started eating this one. So forgive me with the, the package on this one. But if I put that in the same with the cherry almond, uh, at the same time. And then I had cherry, uh, jasmine lime plus cherry almond keywords in the same ad group with both of these products. That means that the jasmine lime keyword will hit the cherry almond product to show up. And that's not what the consumer is looking for. So segmentation, and this was a very basic example, but if you go down the keyword list and, and try and really articulate that, some keywords are gonna work really well for certain products and others will not do it all at all. Right. So the, the term men's artists and soap will work very well for my masculine and my macho related products, but it's not going to work well for my damsel product. Right. Because that's, that's right. a woman focused scent box. So since you mentioned this product, Sage, what really caught my eye when you first sent it on my LinkedIn post was their funny name. So I'm assuming that was done to get customers attention. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so we're we're in the process of launching a new. Is this, sorry, is this your product or is this your client's uh, this product? Is mine. You... Yeah, so oh, so I so I'm a I'm a million dollar seller on Amazon, mostly not because I make money on it, but because I like to know and understand the pains that everybody goes through. Amazon actually removed my my brand registry. It I took me 14 that. days to get back. It was like a huge saga. I had to go get interrogated I'm by the communists at Amazon. It was. You got very funny too, right, Steven? You had to pay like 50K for new... Uh... <laughs> I, I, I posed the question on whether I should invest. So, so I sell tumblers like this, right? So I've got this tumbler here and I ship this out in white boxes with a sticker. And Amazon, during my conversation with them about getting reinstated, would not accept my appeal because it wasn't permanently affixed branding. So I had to leverage my soap packaging 
to get reinstated for brand registry. So if you're using stickers right now, you can't sleep easy because Amazon could just randomly remove your brand registry at any point in time. And it's a scary, scary thought. Uh, so those are the things that are coming, but yes. Uh, so I, I am, I am releasing a new scent here coming up in the next week where I'm, I'm doing a pimple popper and get swole and lit. And I'm trying to focus after that teenager, uh, mix and, uh, and we also have monkey farts coming as well. <laughs> that's funny. Really interesting. And that's what caught my eye. So I'm like, I'm definitely going to bring it up on the webinar and ask him like, where did the names come from? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, moving well, on. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to that real quick. So my partner was like, he, 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 he really wanted to go through and like smell every soap. So he sent me a hundred different soap scents. And he's like, well, which ones did you like? And I'm like, they all smell the same to me. He's like, what do you mean? You didn't pick them up and go one by one. I'm like, no. And I said, this is not how you merchandise. You don't go by what smells the best. Here's what I want to do instead. Let's come up with a concept and then find the scents that match the concept. So I want I want a box for the teenager and we're going to do monkey farts and get swole and and lit and and whatever else. And and then tell me what what color would look the closest to monkey farts. So if you guys had to guess, what color do you think I picked for monkey farts? Orange. Um. Yeah. <laughs> So, so some brown with a little bit of green mixed in, you know, so, uh, and, and so like, then we had to figure out, okay, well, what smells like that? Well, then we took a look and it was like coconut with a little bit of mix of pineapple. And I, uh, you know, so, you know, it just kind of became a pina colada with some coconut in it. And, and so like, that's, that's how marketing should be done, right? It should be done by figuring out what does the consumer really want here? Do they, they want a good laugh? They want to be able to open up this box and say like, this is ridiculous. Right. And does this actually smell good? Oh, actually, it does. They don't just shop out the particular scent. I don't think there is a bunch of people saying, I want Nog Champa and I'm going to go search Nog Champa. And, and quite frankly, there are 323 people a month that actually do search that term because I looked at the data. I, I, I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of Nog Champa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're not yeah. the first customer, I guess, Steven. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, very good soap, I have to admit. But my point is, is that there's going to be a lot more people looking for gifting soaps or gift box soap or generic yeah. keywords. And so like the focus on like gift for teen, that opens up an entire new avenue of marketing for me. And then when I go do those TikTok ads, it's going to sell itself. UGC. Hi, yes. I'm, I'm rooting for you. I can't wait to see the sell through on those monkey fart soaps. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> Um, moving on, I think customer retention is as vital as acquisition in the e-commerce space. So what role does marketing, and you just briefly mentioned that, Stephen, so marketing automation play in creating those personalized customer journeys and how can businesses really use automation to nurture the customer relationship effectively? Stephen, Chad, take it away. I'll chime in after. Uh, I feel like you got to go. I've just been going monologue, so go. Hey, Chad, take, take the lead. So, uh, I guess my, my perspective on this would be, I think a lot of, I think in 2020, 2021, people were talking a lot about lifetime value. And so I think it's important to break down like what lifetime value means. And so, and what value you're measuring, right? So value, are you measuring revenue? Or are you measuring profit? And lifetime, I don't believe, first of all, I don't believe infinity exists in the world, but lifetime, there is no lifetime in e-commerce. And so picking a window in time of how you're going to drive people back and measure that cohort 
to see if you're effectively recapturing their wallet share in a specific time frame according to the value that you've ascribed to that purchase. Uh, and so uh, that's my perspective on lifetime value specifically. Uh, I'm a pretty big fan of getting to profit on your first order, not selling to get increased profits over time uh, from the same customer, uh, at least specifically right now in this era that we're selling in in 2023. Two, I think that regarding like what Blair is up to with prep and fulfillment, I think a lot of a lot of people try to, uh, I guess, on the 3PL side specifically, you can actually create an experience and an unboxing experience that's really magical and really wow somebody. Uh, and so I personally like to go and buy tons of products on Amazon and do unboxing to see how I can learn from how they're unboxing and how they're increasing my satisfaction or my of me like repurchasing from them over time. So I think there's a lot that can be happening on the physical side of things to actually get somebody to actually continue to buy and perpetually buy over time. And I don't know, Blair, if you have experience in that, but I would love to hear from you on what you've been doing on that side of things to help people increase their LTV. Yeah, um, the two key things, one is like the personalized branding. I, I think, Stephen, as you're starting to go over there, I'm curious to see if that actually impacts anything on like LTV from like a white branded box and now creating like a whole experience for the brand as well. You might have some data on that. Um, so we're seeing a ton of it of like branded packaging and so forth, because whatever it is, um, it's it's early in terms of Amazon. I, I think a lot of sellers just still aren't prioritizing it. The ones that are leading the pack, like um, some of the, the larger private label brands, we're seeing them like heavily investing in this like premium packaging look and feel. Um, so I think that's one key thing. The other one that's unique is like we get a ton of questions about like uh, social responsibility or like the type of packaging that we're actually using. So inside uh, <laughs> in, inside the uh, inside the orders, they'll actually have like the type of craft paper. They want it like uh, organic or uh, naturally sustained or they don't want bubble wrap for the packaging for their bundle. Like the, these brands are getting a lot more cautious of it because they're positioning even the ones that we're preparing for Amazon. So. Uh, I think there's a ton there in terms of just like the client experience. Uh, but I, I think the other place more in the marketing hat where like Steven and Chad play a huge role in is like, I, I feel like there's a lack of like post funnel uh, after the purchase, especially for Amazon. Like when we think about Shopify or e-commerce, the post funnel is like everything between email marketing with Clavio, the text message marketing, the retargeting, obviously we're living on Amazon, but there's a lot more there of like creating loyalty programs and upsells and cross sells that I just feel like on Amazon, there's not that many sellers that are really doing a great job of it. Um, of course, your hands are a bit tied with Amazon, but I don't know, Stephen, what, what are you saying? So I got a couple of things to show if you can bring up a screen here. So when I posted on LinkedIn, you know, two days ago that I sold a hundred or $338,000 in tumblers. And then I was able to ask the question, would you spend uh, money on upgrading your packaging? Mm -hmm. uh, the poll was almost a, a dead tie. It ended up being 52% yes, 48% no, 604 votes. And then almost like 72 comments left on this post um, and, and everybody weighing in like whether I should do packaging, right? So like here was the design that I came up with. You can see like uh, the packaging design that we, we had considered and uh, and everybody was weighing in and it was super fascinating, right? So if I went to AI and, and asked this question, like, should I have branded packaging? And the AI would come back and be like, yeah, yeah, you should have branded packaging. But the nuance of the answers that we saw from like 
various different people and like, oh, you should just do a, you know, a stencil on the tumbler and draw on it or whatever. And so like that post experience was really a conundrum for me. I was like, can I really justify 16% of my gross revenue on an investment here? And I'm really struggling on that decision. Shifting subjects a little bit, going to go over to talk about brand tailored promotions. Inside of Seller Central, you can do brand tailored promotions. And they just came out with this week, two additional targets. And so when we talk about the inability to do post uh, funnel targeting inside of the Amazon platform, this is one of the best avenues that's compliant. You don't have to do anything. It's a couple of button clicks, right? And so the new ones that have come out, there's at risk um, customers who haven't purchased recently. Mm -hmm. You also have um, some things that have been in there previously with card abandons. You can now target high spend customers and potential new customers and promising customers. And so all of these various different uh, brand tailored promotions that were not available previously to us even like 90 days ago are now marketing tools that you have available. Um, and Amazon is using AI to, to target these and you don't even have to program it. So it's like a no brainer. Now you will give away some of your profit, 10% here, 15% there, you know, to run your promotion. But at the end of the day, some, sometimes running a promotion is cheaper than spending more on the ACoS. Because if you could convert a customer for 10% ACoS, i.e. just run the promotion, then versus a 35% ACoS by i.e. pay for the click, it's a no brainer. Are you seeing adoption, Stephen, with it though, with brand tailor promotion? Quite a bit, right? So like just even on my brand, I can hit 25,000 card abandons uh, in the last 90 days. Now, how much did that add to my bottom line? 3% in sales. Mm. So it's it's still small, but man, 3% in sales. If you, if you wake up every day and you say, how can I make something better by 1%? Well, here's your 3% right here, brand mm. tailored promotions. 3% to your, your, your top line, um, and, and probably close to that in the bottom line as well. Have you used any sort of AI power personalization, so to speak for your products? Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit more about what you're looking for there. So basically, I mean, if you know, uh, just delivering tailored content to offer like each segment of your product, something on those lines, personalization. So, so Amazon is going to have to invest in more personalization because they've run out of room and the PPC costs are too high, right? So it's that's why you're seeing tools like brand tailored promotions come out, right? To be mm -hmm. able to focus on personalizing where that target goes. The fact right. that Amazon hasn't come out with demographic targeting yet is super surprising. Google's had it for what, 15 years, right? The ability to hit uh, male versus female or age groups. I think that's inevitable. We're going to see more personalization come to PPC as well as uh, the segmentation and, and, and the whole customer journey because it's it's a better customer experience if I can hit Absolutely. the men's product for men, for example. Right, based on behaviors and differences and so on. So that's what I wanted to you know, check on. And have you, both of you, Chad and Blair, have you sort of used that somewhere in your own customer journey? Chad? As a seller, I, I haven't. I haven't. I think it came out sometime in August. I haven't checked it out yet. We've got a lot of fish to fry at, at the e-commerce business. We've got a lot of priorities for this to finish off this quarter, but it'll likely be in the next quarter's objectives. Yeah, we're we're seeing like some focus like on that sort of target that Stephen's talking about, but really it's only accessible through like programmatic or you go into DSP and like that's a 
whole other beast and you got to be spending <laughs> big money to get that sort of targeting so it'd be beautiful if they can really open it up to what steven's saying on like more of a demographic for just the say the standard seller that doesn't need to drop 30 or fifty thousand dollars on um, on dsp and top of funnel uh it'll be interesting because amazon ran out so so bottom of the funnel and the click so if we can move up a bit and actually tailor the whole way down marketing automation should be able to enable all of these personalization segmentation as we just discussed so hopefully in the yeah year, it's coming it has to it's inevitable they yeah, run out of space. yeah it's not an option it's it's bad or they're going to lose to TikTok. i mean that's the bottom line TikTok's doing it yeah they're, they're it's it's an early console as soon as you know but it's it's there you can still target to some level you, you know what the the biggest irony is is i couldn't get through the identity verification with my TikTok shop <laughs> <laughs> like i have like because i use the business they they held me up it's like okay if you don't have a business you put your social security number in no problem they'll approve you instantly without even looking at your docs but you try a business you get held up it's really stupid excuse me wait so are you live on TikTok yet or not yet I'm not. That's the surprising part. We like we we have spent three weeks trying to clear that, and we've we've called in the experts. Like the, we've escalated a TikTok, even the TikTok catalog. People are like, we don't freaking know because they don't. Nobody at the no, like when when big companies like this start doing big things like this, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. We've seen this at Amazon for the last decade. Uh, brand registry comes out with this new thing. Oh, you got to have GS1 barcodes or you have to, you can't change your brand name or, you know, some other bogus thing that they come out and then they never give you anything to empower you to actually be compliant. They don't give you a process to click a button to switch the UPC over to GS1. They're just like, screw you guys. I don't care, whatever. And so that's what happens in, in systems like TikTok, Amazon. And, and that's why people like Blair, Chad and I are in business is because we learn how to like navigate the system. And because none of these programs are built for sellers, they're built for buyers. Like Amazon's uh, core mission is to be the most buyer centric, customer centric platform in the world, right? So that's why I had to come out and say, well, my mission statement is to be the most seller centric uh, platform in the world. And, and that's why I have um, some legitimate um, job security is because I know that Amazon will never deviate. They will never help sellers. They, 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 they do face value things and they're like, oh, we launched these 10 things for sellers, but like only one of them is effective and you don't know which one it is, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, hey, we, we made this new program where we have PPC specialists come in and optimize your, your programs and they send emails with templates and hey, you guys should do this only to find out it triples your ACoS and they just want you to spend more money. Like it's all fake. It's all superficial bull crap. And, and so like you have to empower yourself. You have to do the research yourself or you have to work with a partner who will navigate it for you. Perfectly said, Stephen, and I love all your insights. And the last question, guys, before we end this webinar would be like, you know, with the rise of several other online marketplaces and, you know, platforms coming up, how should an individual um, e-commerce business really differentiate themselves and build brand loyalty in a crowded digital marketplace? Such as that. Short answer, just focus on Amazon, ignore everything else. You've, ne <laughs> you've never heard of a Walmart native born brand and you never will. Like you have to just go all in on one and do it right. I know you guys are going to disagree though. Go no, ahead. no, no, no. You that was actually my response. I was like, you yeah. got to focus on what brought you to the dance to begin with. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of sellers are sold the dream of Omnichannel and then they realize that Omnichannel actually Pretty is hard is a fake reality. And then they have to drive back to Amazon and their Amazon business has already shifted 
and they can't keep up any longer and they're whole held hostage to map pricing because now they're at Sephora and they're at Target, but Target and Sephora only represent 0.01% of their revenue, but they spent whatever, 40% of their expenses to actually get onto those marketplaces to begin with. So I think going back to basics and what brought you here, uh, and I think it's really Amazon, right? Amazon's a monopoly. And I do think that there is some dabbling that could happen in TikTok, right? To kind of learn and build that core competency and see if it really does take off and being early. But I wouldn't spend 40% of your expenses to, to get 0.01% of revenue on the map. And even that, like the TikTok, you'd still be probably driving it right back to Amazon anyway. So like it all, it all comes back to home at one point or another, to be honest with you. I think we're even seeing with like the premium brands, like everyone was avoiding, especially like, let's say like the, these premium cosmetics brands or the, the luxury brands, they're now all rolling into Amazon too. They were, they were so anti Amazon because of positioning and this and that. But at this point, I, I, it's a, it's a force not worth reckoning with, but Steven Chad, when, when is the right time to look at like another marketplace, call it Walmart or right. another channel? Is there a right time? No, uh, I, I like I've always like said, oh, just open an account. You never know. Get through the mm -hmm. application process. Maybe they'll shut it down later. Um, you know, show up, at least have it listed. But reality is, no, none of these have ever panned out like, OK, sure. Etsy, I added an extra 13 percent to my my top line because of my products that are customized and handmade. That one's easy. eBay, 1%. eBay is a waste of time, right? Walmart, they cheat the system, right? Like they put the retailer products at the top of the search results, which is why Walmart's not a marketplace. It's not. It's a retailer that floats the idea that they'll let you occasionally take a couple of impressions, but only if you pay for PPC, right? And so, you know, it, that's the challenge that we have. It's, it's, you're better off doing Amazon correct and going a mile deep and an inch wide than trying to diversify. Funny you mentioned that, you know, you don't want Amazon to be a monopoly and yet you do. It, well, hold on, hold on. It, you got you to admit the realities that we have. Amazon is half the economy in the United States. It's literally half the economy, right? So we have to play by their rules and deal with it. Do I hope that Amazon gets some competition? Absolutely. Do I believe that anybody will do it? No, except I actually do think TikTok has a shot, right? Because TikTok is making all of the right decisions, all of the right plays, and they have one big advantage that Amazon doesn't, UGC. Well, we're back where we started from. I think that's where he started and now he ends it with UGC. So that's it for uh, the webinar, guys. I had a great time, learned so much from you guys. You guys are always, great you have great insights to share and uh would love to do more of these insightful webinars with you guys so thank you so much for being on and um i'll see you later thanks guys thanks for having us see thank you guys you so much thank you take care bye-bye all right guys